What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Dog Talk. Glad to have everybody here today with us as we get geared up for another episode. Obviously, this is a big one coming off that SEC Championship game last night. What a great game. Good game. You know what we've got. We're breaking this thing down. Georgia, SEC Champions 2022. Awesome to see. Awesome to be a part of. I'm going to put it on the screen for you guys. There it is. The 2022 SEC Champions, the Georgia Bulldogs. How how glad it is to be at the top of the SEC. Something that Kirby rides himself on and his team and wants to be a part of that, being the top of the SEC. Not only winning the East, which is a huge deal to him, but winning the SEC in general overall, he says, is and can be just as difficult as winning the national championship. So uh, somewhat of that can can kind of be true. You know, we talked about this coming into this game. Uh, Kirby Smart uh, had only won that 2017 SEC championship, dating all the way back to then. Uh, he's been in it a few times since then, but has not been able to win it. I think at the time he's like one and four. Now he gets to move to at least, I think, two and four on playing for it. If it wasn't one and three coming into this, now two and three. So, uh, congrats out to Georgia being the SEC champions uh, over LSU, 50 to 30, putting up a lot of points in that game. Uh, it was awesome to see. Georgia had this game in the bag from the beginning, um, and we're going to talk about you know how how LSU ended up putting 30 points on the board, uh, considering what it was at the half. A pretty good surge there in the second half by LSU's offense. And like I say, we're going to break that down. That's what this is all about is breaking down uh, this game, breaking that down. College football playoff ranking has come out. We're going over the keys from the game. We're going to talk about the playoff, who we're matching up against, all of that. We've got all of that to get to today, uh, so that's very exciting. And we might as well jump to the news and notes uh, outside of Georgia, at least starting off. Starting off, uh, some of this – will not pertain to it really just this one thing and that's the big news that we at least have to talk to off the top as Deion Sanders uh, leaving Jackson State headed to Colorado to be the head coach there um, big news big news as far as for Colorado goes this doesn't again this doesn't pertain to Georgia but it's still some of the big news around the country that I do at least want to get to and talk about um, then again on the news and notes college football playoff ranking has come we're going to save that for the end of the show and talk about that uh, today because it's not just a conversation of what is the playoff, what do we think it's going to be. It's 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 already set in stone. We'll talk about that at the end because that will be kind of gearing up to what we're going to do uh, later on this week, which is starting to prepare for that. I will go ahead and t let you guys know um, from now until basically Christmas, uh, this will probably be the last episode that we have up on YouTube, at least until then, mainly just because there's not a lot of visuals that we need to have for the next four weeks before we play that game. We've got like 28 games or 28 days before that game will be played. So I'll let you guys know right here off the top. Won't have it on YouTube, you guys that watch on just YouTube. Make sure you tune in wherever you listen to podcasts. I mean, if there is somewhere that it is not on a podcast platform that you listen to, let me know. whether If you're on YouTube, leave it in the comments, whatever it is. Send me a message on uh, on Twitter, at DogTalk20. Whatever you got to do, I always leave, uh, I think I even leave the email there. It's like DogTalk20 at gmail.com. Simple. Just the same. I try to keep it all the same. So, But I will drop that. Uh, YouTube at least for a few weeks again there's just not that much visually that we need um, I will still I'm still planning to put out uh, a few shows a week we'll see how that goes um, because obviously over the next four weeks a lot of conversation is just going to be on the game that will be ahead of us and again we got four weeks till then um, so I may slip back and just do one a week 
until we get to that point obviously because it's also going to be getting to christmas time when you want to spend time with your family and all that good stuff and i want to do that just as well as you guys do uh, also plus there won't be that many football games to talk about when that time comes because bowl season really gets geared up then now you do have army and navy coming up december 10th i believe so That'll be a fun one to watch. Obviously, everybody enjoys getting to watch the troops playing in that one. Um, so that kind of rounds out our news and notes, ending with, I guess, the last bit of news is back to Georgia and pertaining to Georgia is injury front. Uh, I did see where I think it's Warren McClendon. I think he has a slight MCL uh, strain, so that could be a few weeks that we lose him. That's the good thing and the only good thing, I'll say it that way, about the fact that we're not going to be playing for about three to four weeks. Um, tw like I said, I think it's 28 days if I remember correctly. Uh, but we, we won't be playing for that long. So you have that time to rest, get healthy, obviously prepare, get in better shape, condition, do all of the things that Georgia did last year following that SEC championship loss to Alabama last year. You get to do all of those very familiar things preparing for the game that we have upcoming. Georgia did a very good job of that coming out of out of that loss last year, going to it. Uh, we did a very good job of preparing for Michigan last year. So we get to kind of have some of that same thing, and that's a good thing. It's a very good thing. Georgia has the familiarity of, of having done this last year, just as soon as last year, which means a lot of the guys that are on this team already know what to expect coming into this. So it's not really going to be a surprise to some of these guys, which is a good thing, like I say off the top there. So uh, one other last piece of news is the good thing about what we'll talk about at the end of the college football playoff is Georgia finishing at number one. That's not a surprise to anybody. Um, anybody that's listening or watching this, you've probably already seen what the rankings are. You've probably already heard uh, or what have you. So it's not going to be too much of a surprise to see that Georgia is in that number one spot. And the good thing about that is you get to choose your closest geographical location uh, being that number one team. And obviously Atlanta, I mean, Atlanta is it. So you get another game, back-to-back -back games in Atlanta, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, home field advantage to open up the playoffs there being in that number one ranking so that's very exciting but without further ado that'll basically wrap up our news and notes let's go ahead and jump into the breakdown of this sec championship game against lsu all right getting into it here dogs big win 50 to 30 50 to 30 we put up the 50 burger it was exciting there was a lot of controversy of why did georgia go for two why did they not in this and we're going to talk about it a little bit coming up here in just a second but Georgia gets on the field, and I mean pretty much from the get-go, look good. We're going to talk about the keys here in just a minute, but we'll kind of just brief over some stuff to start with. Georgia defensively looked very good in this football game from the beginning. Uh, we knew that Jaden Daniels was coming into this football game a little bit beat up. He looked very good to start. You know, he was running around and didn't have too much trouble in this football game um, starting things off until that first sack came, that first tackle that he took to the leg and all of a sudden it was like okay he's he's hurting pretty good and for that entire first half especially deep into the second quarter you could tell that he was hurting a lot but he did everything he could to try to stay in the football game and by halftime it was just too much I think for him to really continue on and we'll talk about what happened uh, with the with the LSU backup who came in and just be honest with you, lit the world on fire. But in the first half, this is first half stats alone. Georgia comes into this one at halftime, 35 to 10. Right there, it was 35 to three for a little. Or excuse me, I think it was 35 to seven there for a little while. And Georgia, I mean, just waxing, waxing LSU again. Offensively, we were 
all a clicking on all cylinders in this first half, rocking, rolling, running the football somewhat, but Stetson was throwing. Stetson was throwing, and there were times where he was throwing, and all of us were kind of like, whoa, and he would just make kind of a miraculous play, really, and I think he even looked to the sideline after back-to-back -back of those plays where it was like, why are you throwing it while you're getting tackled? Um, and he was like, all right, all right, it's kind of time to settle down, and, and he did that. He did a very good job in the first half alone. He was 19 for 24. 214 yards and four touchdowns, which I believe four touchdowns ties the SEC record for touchdowns uh, thrown in the first half of an SEC championship game. So Stetson was lighting the world on fire, averaging about 8.9 yards uh, a pass, an attempt in that first half of this game. He was on fire. Um, Yardage-wise, though, you know, we, we pretty much had the edge there by about 80 yards, and uh, 70 yards, excuse me. We were up 281 to 211 in comparison to LSU, throwing the ball for just a little bit more. Had 214 to 208, uh, and we were running the ball just a little bit more than they were, 67 yards. They'd only gotten three yards on the ground to this point with the one turnover was the only other statistical difference in this football game once the time kind of came down to it. Very, very good football game, but again, Stetson was lighting the world on fire through the air. We were rocking and rolling defense. We got burned a couple times. Our secondary, even these mid, kind of just mid passes, that's the reason the yardage was so close. LSU did a very good job of kind of short yard packages where they were just kind of dinking and dunking here, and you know they'd get 8 or 12 yards, or they'd have a little slant right across the middle, and they'd get another 12 yards. or you know They were doing very good and being very efficient, very efficient, at their pass game against us again that's why the yardage was only 70 yards difference but this game was out of hand it was 35 to 10 at the half again right there before the field goal before we went into the half it's 35 to 7 that's how bad georgia was on top of this game outscoring them 14 to 7 in the first quarter 21 to 3 in the second quarter again making it 35 to 10 there at the half all aspects of the football game were headed straight Georgia's way. And at the time, Jaden Daniels, again, looked very good. They had thrown for 208 yards. That's pretty much what Jaden Daniels ends up with. He goes 16 for 24, 208, one touchdown. The one blemish was the interception that he did throw in that Garrett Nussmeyer had to come in a couple of times there in that first half. I think his first pass that he threw was almost intercepted by Georgia again. Um, but very, very exciting to see what Georgia was able to do in the first half. Obviously, a huge block field goal early in this game where everybody, everybody even in the stadium was going, all right, what's happening? Because nobody knew if it was a dead ball. Christopher Smith was waiting, 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 picks the ball up, boom, runs it downfield for like a 95-yard kick. Let's see, field goal block return touchdown. Uh, so we got a special teams blessing there because special teams hadn't necessarily been – terrifyingly special so far this year and that was one of the fun things we did get to see in this one a great blocked kick to block the field goal keep them from getting three points on the board and a big swing to give us seven and that may have been what the first or second touchdown for georgia in this game i want to look back and see if i can at least see what that uh i, I guess it really doesn't matter necessarily it doesn't it's not as big of a matter but first half all Georgia. I can't remember if the interception, I think it came in this first half as well, where it's half as well, where it's a bounce off the guy's head. I thought it was off the ground. It comes off the guy's helmet, and we intercept that one as well. I think that may have been Smile Munden on the pick there. Yeah, that was Smile Munden with the interception there, returning for like three yards. So, very good first half of this football game. Dominant defense looked good. We were getting a few holes, again, like I say, on pass defense in front of us. But we were rocking and rolling, and we have to talk about, have to talk about this. 
I'm fairly certain it was the first half. I don't believe it was that second half. Jalen Carter. Do I need to say anything else? What a dude. <laughs> Everybody knows what I'm talking about if you watch this football game. This guy going through the line and picking off. What a dude to be able to just not not just get a sack on this, not just a tackle for loss, but he picks up Jaden Daniels with one arm and then throws the other in the air with a finger up as number one. Unbelievable to, to have seen what he did in this football game, but not only from the entire game standpoint, but that right there was like a, I don't even know how to explain the moment that that was for him to have done what he did in this football game. Uh, but that right there just kind of sealed it. I mean, again, 35 to 10 at the half, Georgia waxing LSU in a, in a championship game, a game that they should be somewhat good in. But we talked about this coming into it. And it didn't really necessarily look that way uh, as we move forward. Looking at the second half, again, they had to bring in the backup, Garrett Nussmeyer. And the dude goes 15 for 27, 294, two touchdowns, one interception. All of that basically coming in the second half. I will say this. Moving forward as we prepare to move on and play for a college football playoff. Our pass defense has got to have some work done, and every one of you believe that. Listen, a 50-30 to 30 win is a big deal. And and later in this game, yes, I do believe the fourth quarter, you started to have even the third quarter, you started to have second and third string guys come in. I know that. But we still should have not – we sh shouldn't be giving up as much as we were uh, on defense in this game. I mean, again, this is basically a second-half stat where they're throwing for 300 yards, two touchdowns, and then the one blemish of the interception there. Because in the second half, again, we end this football game, we have 549 yards to their – or excuse me, we have 529 compared to their 549 yards uh, in this football game. They threw the ball for 502 yards. Let me give you that comparison. That's 47 yards on the ground. So Georgia's run defense continues to improve, continues to be dominant, continues to be completely absent of allowing any teams being able to run on Georgia's defense, which is a very good thing moving forward as you start to look at some of the opponents that you could be playing in a college football playoff. But 502 yards through the air. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know that Georgia – I don't remember seeing a game that Georgia gave up quite that many passing yards – I mean, even that 2019 LSU game that we played, what the last may have been last year in the SEC championship game against Alabama, I don't know exactly what we gave up in that one, but 502 yards through the air, kind of unbelievable to think that Georgia was able to give up that much through the air. And this is not me trying to discredit. This is not me necessarily uh, fussing at, at Georgia in this case, but that is just looking forward. That's something we have to most definitely, most definitely have to improve on that moving forward if we want to be able to win a national championship back-to-back -back years. Uh, and then we move forward again. We got very balanced, though. We'd only thrown the ball 214 in the first half, 274 in the second half. Stetson in the second half, let me tell you just how much we went to the ground and pound in the second half. We threw in the first half 214 yards. In the second half, we totaled the game 274 yards. Stetson went four for five with 70 yards in the second half. Two quarters of football – Four for five, 70 yards in the second half. If that tells you just how much we just went to the ground, went to the ground. Stetson was still doing good. We just didn't have to throw the ball like we did in the second in the first half. And we put it on the ground 255 yards in the second half, or 
total in this game where we were 67 yards in that first half. So lit it up on the ground, lit it up on the ground, ended up 255. So we got very balanced, 274 through the air, 255. Did have one turnover. We did fumble the ball. We somehow managed to always do that. Uh, I think uh, I think Kendall – or not Kendall uh, – Kenny Mack actually fumbled it once. Luckily, he jumped on it. And then the, the handoff between Kendall Milton and Stetson Bennett ends up hitting the turf, and we lose that one. So that was luckily the only turnover in this game, and we picked up three. We got two interceptions on the night and then the one fumble, and then obviously we have the one blocked field goal, which was a huge deal too. You could call it a turnover. I would assume that's what it would be considered, a blocked kick and then running it back. So very good. But that's kind of the difference in the first half and the second half. Um, and then – a lot of controversy has gone on of why did Georgia go for two? Why did Georgia not? You know, I've seen so many – I've seen some people say, I don't understand why Georgia would do that. Some people even think it was disrespectful. And I was like, listen, there's literally a chart these guys go by that if you're up by so many points, you go for two just because it makes it even. I don't think this was ever a situation where Todd Munkin was sitting back or Kirby Smart was sitting back going, hey, we need to get these couple extra points just in case they come back. I don't ever think that was the case at all. I think you literally just look at a statistical chart that says, okay, if you're up by 25, guess what? You go for two. You go for two. And that's just what it ended up. I tweeted out the chart to multiple people that were asking about it um, and even a conversation I was having with another good buddy of mine. I was like, it, it wasn't about disrespect. It was literally, this is just kind of what the stats say to do in this situation. And there was also a stat, if you're down by so many, it had both sides. And I know it sounds kind of strange to be up by that many to go for two, but that was literally the last time that you would go, up, go for two when you're up by quite that many in this one. One other stat that I did want to read out the first half-wise in comparison to the second half. So in the first half of this football game, third down, we were very efficient at third downs. Uh, they were two for seven on the night, and we were five for seven on the night efficiently in that first half. So looked very good in the first half in comparison to the second half. And then we moved forward to the second half of this football game. They still four for 13 is what they ended up. One for two on fourth down. We were seven for 13. So very efficient on third down. I love to see that offensively for Georgia as we continue to move forward uh, in these games. Penalties-wise, fairly even three and four in the game. And we did hold the ball a good bit longer again that second half. We ran all over them in that football game. So that was very exciting. We ended up with four sacks on the night, eight tackles for loss. Very, very good defensively as far as the line and stopping the run. We did very good. The front seven did their job very good. Secondary and kind of in the middle again with these dink and dunk passes. That was that was kind of what just bit us all night. I don't think there were really any plays that I can recall where it was just over the top, you know, taking the lid off of Georgia's defense. I never really saw that. Uh, I know uh, they've really pinpointed in on Keely Ringo a few times, and, and I kind of think that's going to be something a lot of teams are going to start looking to do more and more, just kind of picking on him, so to speak. But I guarantee over these next four weeks, Kirby's going to have him, that entire secondary, even the front seven, have all of them elite and ready for what you have to be ready for moving forward in this football game. Stats-wise, ending up in this football game, Kendall Milton ran all over the place in the second half, especially. He did fairly good in the first half, but really racking it up in the second half. Eight carries, 113 yards on the night. Dejon Edwards, 12 for 77. Kenny Mack, 14 for 55. He did have two touchdowns on the ground. Brian Robinson, uh, five. Branson Robinson, excuse me. Five carries for 20 yards. Stetson Bennett loses a couple yards rushing today. Brock Bowers ends up your leading receiver. On the night, six touches, 81 yards, a touchdown. Lab McConkey, five touches, 69 yards, and a touchdown. 
Darnell Washington with the one touchdown from A.D. Mitchell that came – or excuse me, that wasn't a touchdown. He had the normal touchdown. But he also had the touchdown catch from A.D. Mitchell when we went for two on that play. Kind of a cool little end-around wide receiver reverse pass deal going there. So that was exciting. And on the uh, Lab McConkey news, because I didn't read that out uh, when it comes to the injury front, but it looks like Warren Brinson – I think that's who it was that went down. I may be – I think I've completely blanked on who our offensive lineman was that went down. Goes down, has an injury that he's going to be out for a few weeks. Like I said, luckily we have some time between now and then, but Lab McConkey was the other. Kirby did mention that he's really just been battling some soreness in his knees and tendonitis. So, again, just another thing where he can get some rest and kind of protect those knees for the next few weeks. Again, we have not had a break in this season since October 22nd, right before play in Florida. So we've played five straight weeks of football, six, excuse me. So the first half of the football season was six games. The second half of the football season, actually the first half was seven. Second half ends up being six because he's playing an SEC championship game. So a break could not come at a better time for all of the teams moving forward, all of them. And you get that. You get about four weeks of time where you can not just rest, relax, go home, not do anything. A lot of preparation coming, but – you get to kind of heal. You get some guys who are injured back. You get to refocus, rebuild, get all these guys ready to go uh, moving forward. So very excited to see what Georgia does moving forward in this one, obviously winning this football game. 50-30 to 30 over LSU. Looked very, very good in this football game. I'll just say it again. SEC champions for the first time since 2017. Dogs on top, 50-30 to 30 over LSU. And then looking back, I did want to look back at our uh, uh, – Keys to the game real quick so we can get to that because I almost walked right through it without it. All right, no turnovers offensively, starting like we always do. No turnovers offensively. Had the one fumble, could have had two. Had the one fumble. Uh, that doesn't necessarily put a check mark next to that, but um, it looked a lot better at least. Normally we're putting the ball on the ground a couple times, maybe an interception if we're not doing that. We're just very fumble prone. I don't know what it is about our football team right now, but it, it wouldn't be a Georgia football game if we didn't fumble it at least once is what I've kind of – started to get at but pass protect we did fairly well in this uh, in this uh, key to the game as well i don't know that stetson got sacked at all they had six tackles for loss but stetson never got sacked in this game so we had very good pass protect in this one and like i said the key coming into it at the half didn't look like we were doing that good 67 yards on the ground but in the end run dogs run because we rushed the ball 250 yards 250 is what we end up on the night Two touchdowns is all it was on the ground, oddly. But regardless, Stetson threw four touchdowns in the first half alone through the air. So six touchdowns, what we end up on the night, not including that return. So offensively looked good as far as keys to the game go. Worked out fairly well. And then defensively contained the quarterback. We did that very, very well. Again, we get a few sacks in this football game. Jaden Daniels wasn't really able to run, especially after that leg got tweaked a little bit. Uh, kind of early on so containing the quarterback became much easier much much easier um, something that we didn't think coming into this one was uh, I think if you can contain that quarterback and affect the quarterback you know you start to think okay well they're not going to be that accurate well they were very very good at throwing it very very good again they threw the ball over 500 yards against Georgia and this one want to get turnovers that was a big key and we did that very very well again three Total with the two interceptions, the one fumble, uh, and that's, again, not including the blocked kick that we run it back. Sound tackling, we did fairly well at this. There were a lot of open field tackles in this game. I was glad to see there were a couple of times uh, that we did not do very good at this where we were allowing them an extra, you know, five to ten yards, really, off of just bumping a guy instead of tackling them. But for the most part, for the most part, I'd give this like a 
a B minus maybe, uh, maybe even a B plus to sound tackling because we did do fairly well in this football game overall at tackling in space in that open field areas instead of just allowing a guy to just kind of run you over and, and just arm tackling instead of wrapping somebody up. So containing the quarterback turnovers, sound tackling, not too bad defensively. Offensively, again, no turnovers, pass, protect, and run dogs run. I think we did fairly good to the keys to the game. Again, 50 to 30 is what that final ends up being. So if that's what the keys to the game are and you end up winning it like that, I'll take it. I think it ends up pretty pretty well in this one. Not too bad. Not too bad in my opinion. Georgia was a 17.5-point favorite. Obviously, they covered it fairly well in this football game i picked it 38 to 17 i'm glad to be wrong about that trust me i don't have a problem if uh we'll talk about the picks coming up here in just a minute i don't have a problem being wrong uh as far as not taking the picks or not taking that spread or missing my pick 38 to 17 uh on this game if we're 50 to 30 looking over twitter as far as seeing some of the picks and predictions you guys had i did not see anybody with this exact score I'll double-check this to make sure and make sure I shout out whoever may have gotten that right, but I'm fairly certain nobody ended up getting this one correct. Uh, dog of the week, fairly simple. It's Stetson Bennett. Again, in the second half, only had to throw the ball five yards for 70 yards, but in the end, looks very good on the night, throwing for uh, almost 300 yards in this football game, four touchdowns. So Stetson did very good. He was very athletic. Ran the ball well. He didn't really have to run and scramble long, but when he did run and scramble, it was just extending a play with his legs to be able to throw the ball. Uh, and he did good at that. There were a couple times, again, we were all kind of like, whoa, take it easy now. And But in the end, did a very good job. So Stetson Bennett also winning the MVP of the SEC championship game, rightfully so, did a very, very good job in this football game. So congrats out to Stetson Bennett. SEC champs for the 2022 season. Very glad and excited to see that. As we move forward, look, let's look at some of these other games around the country real quick um, because there were some other big ones as well. Georgia handled their business. Friday night, USC had to handle their business to get in. They couldn't do it. Then we get the afternoon slate. You get TCU matching up against Kansas State, who Kansas State had already lost to TCU by 10 earlier in the season. TCU, you handle your business, you're in. It's just that simple. All you got to do, handle your business, you get in this game, and there's no questions asked about who should be the number four or even the number three team in the country. And Kansas State ends up upsetting TCU 31-28 to in overtime. The conversation from that point started, who deserves to be that number So that's all you got to do to be the number four team in the country. But unfortunately, that didn't happen for TCU. To make it simple and easy, they fall. So then, again, rises that question uh then we kind of move on to some of the other big games obviously georgia taking care of business purdue and michigan which had that later game this was a pretty t tight game there at the first half 14 to 13 going to the half before in the second half still a little bit tight there in the uh third quarter before michigan really started to pull away there in the fourth quarter they end up winning that one 43 uh, to 22 and some of the other action that is conference championship weekend that's not necessarily college football playoff related but does have some conversation for it. Number nine, Clemson taking care of number 23, North Carolina, 39 to 10. Excuse me. Uh, this was a kind of an awakening, I guess you'd say, for Clemson's offense. They make the change from DJ Uyunglele, and all of a sudden, hey, they figure out how to play football and play offense there at Clemson. So they may have their answer as far as quarterback goes moving forward there for uh for Clemson at least. Then UCF and Tulane. Tulane absolutely smacking UCF in the mouth, 45-28. Uh, to 28. 
to win the AAC there as well. And then shout out to Troy taking care of Coastal Carolina pretty heavily there in the Sun Belt. That one's just closer to my hometown, so I do at least like putting the shout out there for them. So that was the conversation, and it's kind of fun that a few of these games this weekend had a lot of college football playoff implications in conference championship play. It wasn't the games and the teams that were sitting at home, sitting back going, uh, hey, you know, uh, I really need to be playing right now to be in, you know, or this, that, and the other. There were a couple teams, obviously Alabama and Ohio State, that were sitting back kind of licking their chops saying, okay, we have to we have to rely on somebody else to determine whether we get in or not. Um, but it was fun to see that all four of the top four teams are playing in a conference championship game, and, and at least two of the, those games really mattered heavily. Again, I didn't think that if Georgia lost it would matter. I didn't think if uh, – Michigan lost that it would matter. It would take a true, true blowout for that to be something that we kind of sit back and go, okay, we need to be pretty careful here uh, in what we would decide. But USC, they had to win and they couldn't do it. They had no choice but to win being in that four spot and already having one loss. And unfortunately, they fall. And that opened the door because TCU does fall, but it's overtime in your conference championship game against the top 10 team. So it was at that point, okay, they win. Do they get in? Do they not if they lose? That's where the conversation came up, and that's what we're going to gear up to here in just a minute. Let's look at the weekly picks, at least before we jump to all of that fun stuff. This is what it was. I kind of went hard and heavy with it again. I felt good about USC, thought that they would look good. Again, I felt good about TCU. I know it was kind of chalk picks here, but I, I, I told you guys, it, it's, it blows my mind. I took Georgia, did not take the spread, and a knock on it again because I'll knock on wood. Every time I take Georgia and I do not touch the spread, for whatever reason, they seem to cover it. But if I take the spread, Lord Almighty, don't take it with me because they can't do it. Can't do it. So you're welcome if you took the spread this past weekend. But you're not welcome if you took USC and TCU winning and obviously the points in that because that didn't happen. So unfortunately, four straight losses there for me. But hey, Michigan won and they covered. So they at least handled business end up on the week three and four so not not all that great but 51 44 and two uh overall and we'll that you know we ended last week kind of what 48 i think 40 48 and four is what we ended up on the regular season so not too bad not too bad a season uh, and then we kind of moved forward 51 44 um and we'll see if we do some more picks as the week moves along or as the off season moves along and we start getting into bowl games uh, but that's what the picks end up as we get into it now, we have to go ahead and start talking about the conversation here, which is obviously the college football playoff. Let me make sure I didn't have anything else I needed to get to before then. Picks, we got to it. College football playoff. The rankings are in. The conversation has started. Georgia won. They're in. Easy. Michigan won. They're in. Easy. TCU loses, and they're in that number three spot. Do they allow them to stay in because they lost in a conference championship game at the time, again, to a top 10 football team? Do they allow TCU to stay in? Do they drop out? Because two of the top four teams, USC obviously being four, they lost, boom, they're out. We already talked about that. The question then became, do you allow TCU to stay in or do you allow number five at the time, Ohio State, to jump up into number three and number six at the time, Alabama, to jump up to six? Do you all of a sudden get a Michigan and Georgia, Alabama and Ohio State? Do you get an SEC and Big Ten matchup for the college football playoff? That was a big question that came up not only after USC fell because you knew at least one of those teams was getting in, but really after uh, – 
after TCU fell too, then the question arose, what do you do? What do you do about this situation? The good thing is, I think they got it right. Uh, the ranking I may have done just a little bit differently. I thought that the top four should be at, uh, Georgia at one, uh, Michigan two, Ohio State three, and TCU at four. And I understand the conversation that came that uh, in the end it ends up Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC, or excuse me, uh, Ohio State there at the four spot, Alabama right on the outside looking in, and Tennessee right behind them. And I understand the conversation of TCU does not deserve to fall to four um, because they played in a championship game, by the way, just a few plays away from winning that football game. It goes to overtime. And we talked about that coming into it. If TCU plays a really tight game and it goes to overtime, maybe they do deserve to stick around. And the more I started thinking about that, that, that makes a lot of sense. you got a football team who, first of all, is playing for their conference championship, something that Ohio State didn't get to do because they couldn't take, a, take care of Michigan uh, at their own house to be able to play for that. TCU got the opportunity to do that. They were undefeated coming into this football game, undefeated, and they had already played this team and beat them. We talked about this, and we talk about it every year. It is so difficult, unless your name is Utah, to play a team twice in a year and beat them two times in the year. Very difficult. Alabama couldn't do it last year against Georgia. Utah is the only team, again, over the past couple of years who's been able to do it that I've seen. Kansas State lost earlier in the season, and they avenged that loss to TCU in the game that mattered the most to TCU. Luckily, again, it didn't matter. TCU ends up being able to move forward. But the matchup set right then and there. It's Georgia versus uh, Ohio State and Michigan facing off against TCU to open up the college football playoff. The good thing is for Georgia, playing in that Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, it's a home game. It's in Atlanta, Georgia. You see it right there on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. Georgia versus Ohio State. December 31st, we get the 8 p.m. kickoff. We got the late kick being the number one team in the country. But we are at home bringing in the Buckeyes. Buckeyes coming down to Atlanta to play Georgia in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, starting off the college football playoff semifinal games. Very excited to see this uh, happening. And then the conversation, we'll talk about it just slightly because everybody kept wanting to say, oh, well, Alabama deserves to get in. You know, they're a two-loss team, but would they be favored over TCU? You know, would you look at it like that? Good thing is the conversation gets to stop. But the answer before it is no. You don't deserve to be in over a team who went to the college football playoff or excuse me, who went to their conference championship game and they lost in overtime. They didn't get demolished. If they got spanked, might be a different conversation. If this is a 50 to 30 football game that TCU got beat in, you might look and go, okay, they at least played for their conference championship game, but they don't look like the number one team in the country. They really don't. You know, and that's the same reason that, that USC is not in this conversation. They played a team that they lost to earlier in the season. And then they ended up getting beat again pretty handily in that second game. I think had USC played pretty tight in that football game, you would maybe maybe still have the conversation, okay, they're too lost, but you can't really – you know, that's a conversation luckily we get to put a, put aside. But it doesn't matter if you think that Alabama would beat the snot out of TCU, Michigan, Georgia, or Ohio State. That doesn't matter. It all matters about who played. Why in the world would you punish a TCU who played for their championship – Almost won it, only lost in overtime by a field goal, and reward an Alabama team who beat Texas, played in other tight games. Did Georgia too? Yeah, Georgia played in other tight games, yeah. But they handled their business like they were supposed to. Oh, yeah, but injuries, you know, we were hurt back then. Everybody battles injuries every year. You have to find a way to win without it. That's the reason you have depth on a football team. That's the reason you have the guys who are behind the guys who are starting 
have to be ready at any given moment. Any given Saturday, you got to be ready to get up and put up. But this is the other thing. I was looking at this. This is the comparison that you're trying to make. A 12-1 TCU who has five top 25 wins, one top 10 win, played for their conference championship. That's their only loss of the season. And then you've got an Alabama who's 10-2, three top 25 wins, no top 10 wins, lost to Tennessee and LSU. By the way, number one team in the country, Georgia, beats the snot out of Tennessee at home. Ends up beating LSU in this championship game, played for and won it 50-30. to You're about to try to go against that team? No, I don't think so. And then you have Ohio State 11-1, two top 25 wins, one top 10 win, lost to Michigan, didn't play in the championship game. So I will say I think they got it right as far as putting Ohio State in. Again, I do still think, and maybe this is wrong of me to have this opinion, but again, everybody's entitled to an opinion. You're entitled to your own, so I'm not going to fault you for it. But I do think that even though TCU played for their conference championship, good, proud of you. You did good. You got there. Very nice. But you lost. And to me, if you lose, I'm not saying they get out. Their reward is staying in. Their reward is not the fact they get to stay in the three spot. Anytime you lose, you don't just get to magically stay in that same spot. That's just my opinion. I may I may decide differently on that case if Georgia was in a situation where it's like, yeah, I probably wouldn't move them either. Maybe. Maybe that's the bias in you that, that kind of sits there. But I do think their reward is still being in the top four, but it's being in that four spot instead of three. And again, I understand the conversation of, hey, they didn't have to play for a championship. Why should they get to be one spot above a TCU who had to play one more week, whereas Ohio State got to sit at the house? Again, I get that. I agree. I understand with that. But still, part of me thinks that if you lose, you should at least drop one spot, at least, because you lost. That is the penalty of losing that game is you lose one spot. But your reward for at least playing in the game is you still get to be in the top four and play in the conference championship game or the national or the semifinal college football playoff championship. That's your reward is you're still in it. And they're probably licking their chops and going, okay, you know, Michigan is not all that great of a team. Or, excuse me, not don't clip that. Michigan is not all that great of a pool as the first team to have to play, but I'd much rather play them than, than Georgia. And I'm just going to be honest. I think anybody in the country would sit back and go, if TCU and Georgia had to play in this first week, wake up TCU because you're about to get slapped in the mouth. And maybe the committee looked at that and went, hey, maybe we shouldn't punish them with that. I don't know that. But I still think that, that the punishment of losing your conference championship game is that you should have fallen one spot. But your reward is that you're still in the top four. Not necessarily that Ohio State is a whole lot better than them and should be deserving of the three spot. Again, they didn't have to play, so I get it, and I understand why they should be in the four spot. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited for Ohio State to have to come and play Georgia because all the trash talk of, hey, you know, I, I, y'all don't play anybody. Y'all y'all, y'all are lucky. Y'all, y'all's defense is suspect. They're, they're, all that gets to get worked out. Every single bit of it gets worked out on the field December 31st, 8 p.m., Atlanta, Georgia. You coming to our house. Might not be in Athens, but you're coming in our back door to play this first round of the college football playoffs. And you're going to look and you're going to go, well, that's not fair. We shouldn't have to go to y'all. Oh, oh, yeah, you coming to the number one team in the country. You get to go where they want you to go, and that's to our backyard. So I'm excited about that. But that's the only controversy I would say in it. And part of it is probably because I sit back and go, hey, Ohio State is a lot tougher opponent to play than TCU. And I, I, we could all figure out that that's actually not true. TCU may actually give Michigan enough of a run where it's like, whoa, TCU was for real or is for real if they were to beat them. I don't know that. 
but I still think that that should have been the difference in the two. Again, it doesn't matter to me if we play Michigan. It doesn't matter to me if we play Ohio State. It doesn't matter to me if we play TCU. don't matter if we replay Tennessee or if we play Alabama. I don't care. Put whoever you want across the line against Georgia, and I'll take Georgia all day, every day, because that's the reason they're the number one team in the country. That's the reason week in and week out, even in these games where we've struggled, Georgia still wins. They find a way to win, and that's what champions do. That's what Georgia does. Every single week, that's why they have ended the season 13-0. First time, I think, in school history being 13-0. I may have read that incorrectly, but this is the first time Georgia getting to 13-0, moving to the college football playoff semifinal game. Very, very excited. Again, Georgia playing in that one. I'll put it up on the screen one more time for you there on YouTube. Georgia versus Ohio State, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl in Atlanta, Georgia. Semifinal football game. So excited to see that there on New Year's Eve coming up so let me just check my notes again just make sure i didn't miss anything here i probably had a twitter poll that i did put up that i'll see if i can find trying to go back to it oh i i mentioned this i will at least mention this because i did put a poll up i wanted to see just how many times uh the cbs crew would mention alabama in the sec championship game and not necessarily the crew as much as Gary Danielson. So I made a chart, and I didn't put this up. I forgot to load it up for you guys in the graphics. But so I totaled this out at 18 times. 18 times the crew said either the word Alabama, mentioned them, or something related to Alabama. 18 times. Gary alone said it 16. So really, uh, uh, Brad Nessler only said it twice, I think, in the entire game. And Gary gave it all of the 16 times. All of the 16 times. So I thought that was kind of funny at least. Uh, getting into it there but let's see make sure I I'll try to see if I can find this poll that I put up before it I'd be kind of surprised if I did just because it's kind of far back there I know this dead time and it's quiet and boring it's like all right let's let's get on with it all right, here we go. So now the question can be asked, does TCU deserve to be in over Ohio State? 74% of you guys said yes. 26% of you guys said no. And it's kind of funny because the conversation was going to be, does Alabama deserve to get in over TCU? And all of a sudden it was, does Ohio State deserve to be in over TCU? The conversation no longer was, does the TCU decide deserve to be in? The committee had already decided that. Then at that point it was, all right, is it Ohio State or is it Alabama in that four spot? Again, I thought that TCU would fall a spot and Ohio State would just jump up and it was simple. Then the conversation was TCU or Alabama. All of a sudden for the committee it was Alabama versus Ohio State. Who do you take in that one? Again, I think the committee got it right with the top four. Maybe a little shift in there in the bottom, bottom two, but I don't care. Regardless, I'm very, very excited for December 31st coming up. Like I said, dogs on top over LSU. SEC champions 2022, 50-30 over the Tigers. Happy to have seen that. Look forward to see what we've got. Again, off the end of the show here, I just want to remind you guys, this will be the last YouTube episode I'll put up for a few weeks until we get ready and geared up for that Peach Bowl coming up December 31st. I still plan to put shows up on the podcast platforms. Again, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. I mean, we're all over any of them that you could possibly – I mean, there's so many of them now. I, don't, I, I can't even keep up with all of them, but I see all of them going through all of our stuff. I see a ton of different platforms. So, again, reach out if you only watch on YouTube and you want to know where to where to listen. I will send you a link. I usually put the pod link up on Twitter at DogTalk20 if you guys want to follow us there uh, to be able to check out 
that as well but um again that's just again there's not any visual there's not any need for visual over the next few weeks uh, so i doubt i'll put anything up visually here for a few weeks i'll take a break on that but anyways we'll get wrapped up and get out of here glad to see the dogs taking on uh, LSU and getting that win in the SEC championship game and looking forward to seeing what the dogs do here in the weeks to come as we prepare for Ohio State moving forward. I'll check in with you guys later on this week where we'll start to gear up that direction just like Kirby's going to have the team doing some injury updates and things of that nature as we get rocking and rolling. But without further ado, we're going to jump out of here. Looking forward to seeing what the dogs can do as we make another run at the college football playoff, trying to win back-to-back -back national championships. Very excited for that. But we'll check in with you guys later. Good dogs.